WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 120. No? Hello and welcome to episode 119. All about The Hobbit, The Battle of Five Armies, part one. Being the 119th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Janae Randall, host of the Book Was Better podcast. Welcome, Janae. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. I got connected with you via Instagram and seeing the pages for your podcast and your personal Instagram, which is, side note, just like really wonderful. And thank you. I love all your like fashion videos and posts and everything about reading. It's just just like a great little (laughs) bright spot in my feed now. It's like all Lord of the Rings stuff. That's so nice of you to say. (laughs) And then like fun fashion posts somewhere in the middle. <laughs> of my feed. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Why don't you tell me and the listeners a little bit about your history and experience with Lord of the Rings and Tolkien and how you got into that? Yeah. Um, so I literally had to stop and think about this because I was like, I feel like there's so many things to say that I need to just write it all down. So I've seen like the adaptations before I read the books. I have read the books, but not for a while. But um, I have a very distinct memory of watching the really weird animated versions of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit from like the 70s, mm-hmm. those terrifying ones. Um, and I still remember little moments. And that weird animation style is like very between watching those and also The Last Unicorn, which I was like obsessed with when I was a kid and then I was also part of that age group where like when the films were coming out in 2001 to 2003 they were coming out also with all of the Harry Potter films so there was a lot of like me Mm -hmm. going to the movies a lot and every time they would come out I would just be like losing (laughs) losing my mind I watched all of the extended editions like multiple times would do multiple like movie marathons with them watching all the behind the scenes stuff like I was a big old nerd I mean I still am a big nerd I don't know why I said that as if I've changed (laughs) somehow um but yeah no I so I used to watch all of those and then I did read the books the entire trilogy and also The Hobbit but I don't remember like if I did one or the other first I was definitely a young adult when I read them but I'd already seen like the fit all the films and everything I think that's fairly common yeah um nowadays you know obviously like like with our parents generation I think a lot of them would have read Lord of the Rings because it was very popular like in the 70s and whatnot um but I think pretty much nowadays it seems like it's the the most common way that people get into Lord of the Rings is oh yeah I watched the movies in the early 2000s and then when I was like much older and had a much better reading comprehension than (laughs) you know Harry Potter Sorcerer Stone I read Lord of the Rings and realized wow these are these are sure dense books yeah they are (laughs) dense is definitely a good word for them uh definitely the story is I don't want to say it's different because I think the adaptations, the adaptations generally are they're pretty stellar, but I think the um, pacing is very different oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. in the in the books than the films, which I did not expect. And um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when I was reading the second book, it's like everything that happens with Gimli and Aragorn and Legolas happens, yeah. and then the whole second part of the book is just Sam and Frodo, and I was just like. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, like having yeah. having it be so split where I was so used to them being interconnected. So you can be like, oh, and this is happening at the same time and da da da. And mm-hmm. 
yeah, so I, I remember reading that and going, oh, right. Yeah, Tolkien wrote like all <laughs> of the fun stuff yeah. for Lord of, for, for Two Towers in the first half. And then the second half is just like, you're going to be depressed because yeah. <laughs> Frodo is depressed and he's like the character whose perspective you're following. Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely where the movies excel mm-hmm. um, over the... It, I think it's the one... Since, you know, the premise of your podcast is the book was better, I think the Lord <laughs> of the Rings trilogy is maybe the one exception to that rule where I, I wouldn't even necessarily say like, oh, the movies are better or oh, the book is better. They're just totally different They're totally different entities and they tell the yeah. same story in a very different way. I think there's details that you get in the books, but like you can tell that Peter Jackson was obsessed with the books. <laughs> so oh, it's yeah. not like mm-hmm. it's not like he's done like a weird bastardized version, which you do sometimes get. And I'm also like with my podcast, I certainly don't assume that the book is better every single time. Like there have been instances where I do actually like the movie more, which is mm-hmm. fine. It happens. Yeah. Sometimes movies are just able to, you know, convey things on screen in a way like reading battle scenes yeah. is terrible. Yeah. Reading battle <laughs> it's not scenes fun is not. At all. Yeah. Um, and it gets very confusing. And um, yeah. Yeah. I do. I do remember feeling like that when I was reading the books, but I still loved it. Like I, I loved the books. I loved watching the movies. In fact, my husband and I literally just rewatched. We watched the extended versions of The Hobbit, and then we watched the extended versions of Lord of the Rings because I just—they're always gonna like kind of do that for me. Like I, yeah. I love it, mm-hmm. and to the point where I have an absurd amount of trivia in my brain just about the Lord of the Rings, like. When I love movies, the first thing I do after I finish watching it is go onto IMDb and just like read all the trivia. And like even, you know, the, when I um, came to the UK for the first time, because uh, I live in the UK now, but I grew up in the States. Uh, but I came to spend a semester here and I went to Oxford and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go to that pub where J.R.R. Tolkien used to like write and hang out <laughs> with C.S. Lewis. And um, Oxford also the site of the only time in my life I've ever been slapped. But that's an entirely different story. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, so it was a very eventful trip. You know, I got to go hang out with the bird and baby and um Interrupt how was, some, how was the pub having they, a having a lover's Do they tip? have like a a special table or something? They like, have this yeah, is they, had, they had a lot sat. of memorabilia because it was like him and his him and C.S. Lewis and a couple of other friends. They called themselves I think they called themselves like the Inklings or something. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. literally used to like go sit in this pub and like exchange work and like do all sorts of stuff which I think is insanely cool. And me, again, I'm a big old nerd. Yeah, no, it's I very cool. I went to Oxford specifically for the purpose of like going to this pub. So I was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. So what is your general like overarching thoughts about the Hobbit movies? So I think when I first watched them, I was a bit disappointed just because there was, I loved the original trilogy so much and there was a lot of hype around it. Having just rewatched it and also with the extended versions, I I still am not entirely sure it needed to be three movies, but Yeah, it did not. It did but not. <laughs> I definitely enjoyed it a lot more. Uh Martin Freeman carries that whole entire trilogy oh on his back. In fact, didn't you share a meme that was like the yeah, picture I think of that's Sam. the one that you com- <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the one that you commented on that um you commented on through your 
podcast account yeah. on Instagram. And that's how I was like, oh, this is a like book related podcast. Yeah. Let me check it out. And because that's generally like the route that I'll go down when I'm looking for guests is looking for like geeky or book or movie related podcasts. Yeah. Like, do they like Lord of the Rings by any chance? <laughs> um, yeah, it was that meme of um, Frodo carrying or Sam, Sam carrying Frodo, Frodo up, up the, the mountain. mountain. <laughs> yeah. And it's Martin Freeman with the Hobbit trilogy on his back. Literally. I mean, yeah, he's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like when I found out that he was cast, I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. And the films are, I mean, watching them again, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, they're enjoyable. This, the only thing I find a bit frustrating is like the CGI and how they did it so differently when they were filming the original trilogy. Like there were actual people there. So it's lasted a lot longer. Whereas like some of the CGI already looks out of date. And it's just like, these movies are not even 10 years old. And they're like, and from what I understand, like even in the theaters, people were like, this doesn't look good. Yeah. Like it didn't even hold up from like the year probably it took from producing it to releasing it in theaters, you know? So you're not necessarily a big hater on the Hobbit series, though. Not necessarily, Because there are people who genuinely are like, these are the most trash movies ever created. You still are (laughs) able to find enjoyment out of them. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I just, once I had some time to like, be in my feelings about all the hype and the disappointment I felt. And then now that I can like watch it again, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. There's yeah, definitely totally some entertaining. And there's lots, there's like little Easter eggs and stuff that I think are really cool. But uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. The Battle of Five Armies opens with the ending of Desolation of Smaug. Lake Town tries to prepare itself for Smaug's imminent attack that no one saw coming. Except Bard. Bard saw it coming and warned literally everyone about it. Tariel and the dwarves help Bard's family escape and the Master and Alfred load up a boat with enough gold to buy out Facebook after the great outage of 2021. Weighed down by all that money though, the Master makes the decision that literally all of us would make and kicks Alfred off the boat. Meanwhile, Bard makes his great escape from being imprisoned for literally no reason whatsoever and heads for the watchtower thing with that giant crossbow whose name I can't remember. Bane sees his da shooting at Smaug and runs to help. He appears with the black spear, I mean arrow, just as Bard runs out of regular human-sized arrows. In one of Smaug's attacks, Bard's bow is broken and it looks like they're out of options. Except I'm not totally sure how Bard was planning to use his tiny little bow to fire that giant freaking spear, but okay. But being the top quality man that he is, Bard fashions a giant crossbow with the help of Bane's shoulder and the black arrow finds its mark on Smaug's weak spot. Smaug crashes to the ground and takes out the master as he goes. Bilbo and the dwarves watch from the lonely mountain and celebrate Smaug's demise as Thorin looks ominously toward Erebor. And thus concludes the desolation of Smaug. Just kidding, because then the title card for Battle of Five Armies pops up. The best 10 minutes of this film happened before the title card. Anyway, the survivors of Lake Town make it to dry land, and unfortunately, Alfred is one of those survivors. Everyone finally seems to be okay with turning on Alfred, but of course, Bard just had to step in and be the honorable man that he is. He encourages everyone to stick together as he reluctantly becomes their new leader. Keely and Tariel, who I guess are boyfriend-girlfriend now, I mean, that is the next natural step you would take after you almost die and the other person uses elf magic to save you, have their second conversation. I guess you could say it's their third if you count the fevered state Keely was in when he thought Tariel was a hallucination. Keely and encourages Tariel to come with them so that they can be together, but then Legolas appears to remind us that I guess this is still a love triangle somehow. Keely reluctantly leaves as he goes back to Erebor with Feely, Bofor, and Dwarf, whose name I don't know, number four. In Erebor, Thorin's taken a sharp decline as all the character growth he had at the end of the previous movie has been undone, and it's clear the dragon sickness is taking over. Everyone is ordered to search for the Arkenstone, which no one knows is in Bilbo's pocket. While the Lake Town survivors decide to seek refuge at Dale and claim their portion of the treasure that Thorin promised to share, yeah, definitely promised to share. Elves arrive 
arrived from Mirkwood to call Legolas back and announce that Tariel has been banished. Banished, y'all. She went after a boy she knew for an hour and she is banished. Legolas and Tariel decide they should go to Gundabad so that they can... You know, I've watched this movie three times and I honest to God have no idea why they're going to Gundabad. A wind lance. That's what they call it. A wind lance. All of the movies before this, since they've all been at least two hours and 40 minutes, mm. the chunks of the movie that I'll discuss for each episode are usually like 40 minutes at least or 45 minutes. This and for the rest of these episodes are going to be somewhere between like 30 and 35 minutes because yeah. this movie is so much shorter, which I don't understand what because there's some parts that I'm like it feels like something's missing here like why wouldn't you just add this in you know this is the (laughs) shortest of all of your movies you know so these episodes listeners might be a little bit shorter than the other movie episodes but we'll still be discussing everything in as much you know detail as I have been for all the other movies and so this God. So this movie starts out with the ending of Desolation of Smaug mm-hmm. is what makes me mad <laughs> is that this first 10 minutes should have been at the end, end of, of the, the previous yeah. movie. Yeah. And it makes me so mad because these 10 minutes. OK, so spoiler alert. I'm going to try and remain positive throughout all of these episodes. But spoiler <laughs> alert. Battle of Five Armies is my least favorite of all of these movies. I really do not like it. It just drags out. Even though it's the shortest, mm-hmm. it still it feels like it drags out endlessly. So have you finished? Have you watched the whole film now? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've uh, maybe like a month or two ago. I had okay, a weekend where cool. I just watched all the... I haven't seen the extended editions, though. Can I ask you a really important question? Which are the five armies? Because as far as I can <laughs> tell, there's you. only four. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I have been saying that since reading the chapter, The Battle of Five Armies. Yeah, I don't really... I trying to... F- mm. Okay, because, because in the book... Yeah. So obviously, okay, the elves, the dwarves, the men. Yeah. That's, that's three. three. And um, as Algeven says that in like one of the scenes. Yeah. No, I wrote it down. Where, and then he's, I, because I like, remember elf, thinking it before. Dwarf, man. man. They yeah. will all die in the mountain or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, Azog's yep. army, the orcs. Yeah. In the books, it's, or it's, well, it's technically goblins and wargs, but goblin. The word that Tolkien uses as goblin technically actually means orc. Later on, like those are meant to be the same creatures. Um, right. Don't ask me. Whatever. Um, I only found that out like reading when I was reading the last chapter. And my guest was like, you know that when Tolkien says goblin, those are actually the same creatures that are orcs, right? And I was like, no, I did not know this. What do you mean? <laughs> I, di- I didn't know that either. But also like, yeah, they're still... But like the wargs and the orcs but then and the goblins other... are all still fighting together anyway. Yeah. And then there's also this element of like there are the there's this like cloud of bats. And I was like, so are the bats an army? <laughs> so and How then weird. someone on social media said that like let's say that like okay, so like during World War Two, yeah, even if like France and England teamed up, they're still those are still two separate armies. Oh right, okay. Yeah, I guess that makes so sense. That, so that that settles it for the book. But for the movie, I don't know because it's like all orcs. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. I think it's supposed to be that the fifth army is that second wave of orcs that come in towards the end. But aren't, but they're I all. Know. I know, I know, I, I know. I don't understand <laughs> it. 
they're all still part of the same army, though. Anyway, okay. That I feel like this is a very, with, <laughs> very girl, deep I'm rabbit with hole you. we, we I'm could get with into. You. I yeah. have been asking, what are the five armies of the Battle of Five Armies yeah. for weeks now? So okay, I'm totally cool. with you Well, there. it makes yeah. me feel better that it's not just me going, one, two, Two, three. Th- yeah, I don't know math. So yeah, the previous movie ended with uh, as much as I really think Desolation of Smaug would have been way better if they had just ended it with the actual Desolation of Smaug. Yeah, um, it's in the title. The way that they ended it with that, yeah, with that cliffhanger of Bilbo saying, what have we done? Like complete side. There's no music underscoring it. And then yeah. he goes, what have we done? Like, that's a great, they really nailed that. When this picks up, it has like the same, like kind of like terror in your gut feeling of like, this isn't going to end well. It does. But I almost wish that there had been a little bit more like if it had started with Bilbo running to tell the dwarves or something just because it felt like you all of a sudden dropped into this chaos yeah and it's a bit it's a bit like wait what because it's just right at the start so you're almost like mm-hmm. well if only there had been just a, a scene of like Bilbo running being like guys the dragons got out he's gonna go like we know what he's gonna do but like what do we do and then it cuts to that and then you're like oh okay right I remember where we are because it took a minute and I was like oh the dragon's coming okay we're just full panic now everyone's in full panic I feel like they made the movie with the assumption that like in the future people are going to automatically remove the DVD of Desolation of Smaug and then put the DVD of Battle of Five Armies in immediately afterwards. Yeah. Never mind that they were released like over a year apart or something. Yeah. Yeah. But like that's it it feels very much like, well, obviously in the future, people are going to watch these movies back to back. Yeah. So these two parts are going to line up really well. But like when you're releasing them theatrically. Yeah. It's a bit <laughs> tricky, people isn't it? Haven't, yeah. People haven't seen it for a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do agree that like there should have been some some like cushion or something to like ease you back. Yeah. Into the or at least to things. remind you. And then you're like, wait, what happened? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, the dragon's oh, yeah. coming. Bilbo and the dwarves <laughs> yeah. really messed up. Yeah. <laughs> and, now the, and now Lake Town's going to pay for it. Whoops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there is this like wide scene of like just showing general chaos of like everyone running around. Yeah. And then like our first like actual scene of the characters is the master and Alfred like packing up all of the gold and yep. everything and fleeing, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. I mean, it's Stephen Fry. Like, yes, you just know he's going to be pretty great and whatever he does and his very wormy little friend is just oh god he just ugh. he's the worst yeah i just worst, um, yeah. anytime he comes on screen i just want to punch him in the face oh i think i wrote shut up alfred like five times in my notes yeah like just for 30 minutes worth of this yeah. movie yeah <laughs> he's the worst yeah. yeah and i don't understand why because this is a character that is not in the book at all and so i don't understand why they had him made in this character yeah. yeah i mean even like it was one of those things where like as he goes to the film and just like slowly everyone's like the master's gone would it go away nobody wants you here yeah or like when yeah. he tries to be like bard and bard's like get off me and you're just like yeah i feel you dude <laughs> Yeah. So also speaking of Stephen Fry, Stephen Fry left behind a large supply of alcohol when his scenes wrapped, and these were given away as gag prizes when filming wrapped for the movies. So I found that (laughs) funny and also slightly concerning. That was really funny. What, that he was drinking a lot and just like didn't... That he... Either he was like drinking a lot while filming, which I think 
is maybe not something to joke about. That's kind of concerning. But I, I'll look at it from the perspective of like, he just kept a lot of alcohol like in his trailer or something oh. for like in between yeah. filming or like having people over for like parties or whatever at the end of the day or something. Yeah. But yeah, he left behind a large supply of alcohol. <laughs> that is pretty cool. And then they get and then they gave it away to everyone. Well, I, I mean, that is so, what yeah. you would do in that situation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the master and Alfred are gathering up all of the gold and everything um, and planning to flee. And then over in Bard's house, uh, Tariel is getting everyone because she's like the only woman being, I don't know, of a sound mind being like, we have to go. <laughs> we have to like, yeah. I must save everyone <laughs> gathering up the kids and then the dwarves are getting themselves together. I love the fact that Keely was like five minutes ago was dying. He was like almost yeah. dead. Yeah. And then now he's like, I'm fine. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're God, not. God, leave me alone, mom. Yeah. <laughs> and then I will say, though, there is a shot of them when they're in the boat later on and they're like looking up at Smaug. And there's a shot of Keely where I'm like, oh, no, he actually does still look like he's dying a little yeah. bit. Like he's still not looking that good. <laughs> well, I think as well, like um, you can see him limping a little bit, but he's obviously not yeah. at death's door anymore. But also, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. toxic masculinity. He was really trying to be like, I'm fine when he was not fine before. It's like, no. Yeah. You stupid boy. <laughs> you were dying. Yeah. You can you can sit down. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Tariel, she was not in the book, was she? No. Because no, I, no, I no, no. remember watching it going, who is this person? The only elves that are in The Hobbit are, he's just called the Elven King. He's not even named Thranduil at that point. Yeah. And you only see the elves when they're in Mirkwood. And then they show up like later at the Battle of Five Armies. Right. So Legolas also isn't there. Yeah. Um, however, um, it does it does at least make some sense that Legolas would be there because they're in Mirkwood, which is his home. Yeah. And they're talking to his dad. Yeah. So it would kind of make sense that Legolas would be there. I have said that I don't think he needed a full plot line. I think it would have been fine to just, for fans, would probably be expecting to see Legolas yeah. in that area, you know, just to have him show up and be in Mirkwood, and then maybe he can show up later in the battle. But it could have been an Easter egg. It didn't need to be like a whole... Yeah. Yeah. But... um. I don't know if you know or not, but the it was the studio that forced them to do this love triangle thing. Oh. Originally, they were just going to have this like much more like straightforward, sweet, romantic story with Tariel and Keeley. Right. Which I still question. We'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> I have thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I have thoughts. Yeah, they're all fleeing and running away. The town's in mass chaos. Excellent. Great we're we're going to be fine. Yep. Um and Smaug is approaching and I love that you can see his chest start to glow as like he's building up the fire in his chest oh, yeah, like, it's from absolutely far away. Terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. It's really cool. Yeah, he just starts burning everything. Yep. Fun. I did I did have a moment and this is probably really bad. I was like, did the town build it in the middle of the lake because of what happened with the dragon last time? So they were like Let's be surrounded by water so that we're a bit safer. But they still built everything out of wood. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did have a moment where I was like, um. I'm trying to think like at that point, would they have had access to metal materials? That's true. At that I point? mean, I don't know. The other city was built of stone. And I guess 
They're like, oh, stone, duh. I was like, uh, my brain's like, yeah, the two materials, wood and metal. (laughs) Those are all flame retardant naturally. (laughs) No, I'm with it because there are all these shots of like people on fire and then they fall into the water. And I'm like, well, then they're fine. You know, like they're all surrounded by water. But it's all still wood. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It was just a thought that I had in my head. I was like, oh. Okay. Okay. Well, and I also get the impression that, like, since they built Lake Town after the attack, the original attack of Smaug, they were probably, you know, not able. They were like, let's just get any kind of structure we can up, you know? Yeah, definitely. And then they're also probably like, well, at least now we know not to mess with the dragon and we'll just let sleeping dragons lie and no one will ever disturb him, I'm sure. Uh huh. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. We have such faith in that. He'll just stay asleep forever. (laughs) (laughs) The master and Alfred are fleeing in their giant boat of gold. And they're like funny back and forth bits where the master's like, oh, I just wish I could help everyone. And like looking around at people like on fire. It's too late for them. Yeah. And they're like, well, it's too late. Alfred is also just agreeing with whatever he's saying where he's like, yeah, I do wish we could help them. And then the master's like, well, it's too late. And then he's like, yeah, I quite agree. As he kicks someone like off of the boat who's like trying to like (laughs) climb to safety. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bard, our main man, Bard. Good old Bard. Especially like in this section of the movie is like his movie yeah like, he is the best character he's in so good the whole trilogy yeah. at this point <laughs> he is still in jail for reasons that i never understood why they arrested him like they gave the reason of like because the master says but it's like no but really like why like what was the point of this <laughs> yeah i mean he's an upstarter isn't he yeah he starts tying a rope I wasn't really paying attention to like where he got the rope, and I'm like, isn't that something that maybe we shouldn't put in a prison cell? I mean, yeah. that, whatever. <laughs> he ties it around the bars on the window and then throws the other end out. And then as the master and like their boat are going by, the rope swings down and like catches on the boat. Oh, I think at this point the master and Alfred are like, We're being weighed down. We have to get rid of something. Oh, yeah. And the master's like, okay, and then pushes Alfred over. Yeah. <laughs> Not complaining about that. Nope. And then like at the same time that that's happening, the rope comes down and it catches on to the boat and it goes around the master's neck. Yep. And there was a part of me that I was, I thought that either it was going to like pull his head off (laughs) or when the bars um, come off the structure above. Yeah. And then it falls into the water. I thought it was going to pull the master down with it. Oh, right. And then he would like die. And so either way, I was like, whoa, that's dark. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I know we've seen some like interesting deaths, but like that's that's a dark one. That's kind of a, yeah. Neither of those things actually happen though. He just kind of like gets strangled a bit. (laughs) Momentarily. (laughs) Momentarily strangling. But it's fine. He's going to escape with the gold. He's going to make out. He's good. Yeah. (laughs) While all this is happening, there's this one shot where we do cut away to the dwarves who are at Erebor and they're like watching from the distance and I appreciate that like we see the dwarves watching the consequences of their actions yeah that like multiple people warned them about we're like hey don't do this well that's what I think but our goal yeah but that's my my home which like fair enough but also I think that's also why you know like at the start of the film seeing Bilbo run tell them 
and then like be like, guys, we've messed up and then have a moment where they're like, they wait, what? And then you see them running out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a, it still feels quite abrupt because Bilbo's by himself a lot. And then suddenly they're all there. And, but then Thorne's being weird. And I, yes. yeah. I'm and glad it's like, you mentioned uh, that. <laughs> This is the other thing that makes me mad is that like the end of Desolation of Smaug Mm -hmm. happened like maybe 10 minutes ago for them. And so that whole there's this whole sequence of Thorin like standing up for himself and there are flashes of like the sickness taking over. But then by the end of Desolation of Smaug, he's like gotten a hold of himself and he's like stepped up to be the leader and is like, I am the king under the mountain and is like standing up and having that confrontation with Smaug who like took away everything that was his. Yeah. Like that's a great character moment for him where it's like, okay, he all almost let the treasure and everything take over but he's back now he's <laughs> yeah. ba- oh no kidding no that was no we're we're back to where we started so yeah. i really hate how like they had all this this like great character development yeah. for him in those last couple minutes of the mo- of the previous movie and then it's just all gone at the start of this movie and he's like back to being under the influence of of the treasure or whatever it is yeah i mean i think That's something that happens quite a bit throughout the movies. Thorin has a moment of like being kind of a dick and then he like has some redemption. And then like five minutes later, he's just being a dick dick again. again. And you're just like, dude, can we, what? Like how many times was he like, I don't trust this hobbit. Oh, he saved my life. This hobbit. And I'm just like, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Are you tired? Because I'm tired. That is what it felt like reading the book because yeah. he doesn't even have those like small moments of redemption. And then five minutes later, he's back to how he was. He's just kind of like that the whole book. And so, yeah. okay, this is slightly controversial and I'm really going into left field here. But the way that people talk about like Snape being redeemed and how like his the end of his storyline yes. like redeems him. And I'm like, no, no. He still, I mean, like, just in my personal opinion, like, he's still a bully. He still is harboring a crush on someone who didn't want him back. And he, like, Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, it's just there's some abused children. Yeah. (laughs) Some of his behavior is, like, just irredeemable. There's nothing he could have done, Mm -hmm. but he still chose to act that way. Like, he was still a Death Eater. He still bullied children. Yeah. This podcast is a Snape apologist free zone. (laughs) We do not (laughs) condone the redemption behavior of severus Severus snape Snape. (laughs) (laughs) um and like so this is an even more controversial opinion i think it's literally just me but i kind of felt the same way with boromir because since i read everything first like literally the first thing he like says in the council of elrond chapter i was like this dude seems like he's gonna be annoying He seems very sure of himself for someone who maybe shouldn't be so sure of himself. Had all these people being like, oh, he redeems himself. And I'm like, he doesn't redeem himself. He just didn't listen to the five people who are way smarter, like (laughs) elves and wizards being like, we can't use the ring. And he's like, "Mm, but maybe I can. I guess in that sense, you get more context and you like kind of understand him a bit more. But like, he's still trying to take the ring. Yeah, I don't know. So so I guess because then you see the comparison as like his brother who sort of does the same thing and again i'm going well reminder in the book faramir 
does not like the first thing he says is like i would not pick that ring up on the side of the road if if i saw it laying there he yeah resists the ring fully and it's like oh you say it, it led to the death of my brother then this is definitely a bad thing yeah and then peter jackson is like no we're not gonna do that i'm gonna actually um make faramir the villain here even though he's actually the best man in this entire yeah, series yeah. anyway okay this is like legitimately the thing that i could do a ted talk on it's, it's just it's talking Faramir. about like <laughs> faramir's like character transformation from the book to the yeah. movie and how that was oh my god okay i can't i can't <laughs> we'll be here for another hour okay where were we oh that's right thorin all thorin, the character yes. that was it that was it meanwhile bilbo it like cuts to bilbo watching thorin not watching the drag, which is like, it's a great, you know, it's one of those moments where like nothing is being said, but we know exactly what is being conveyed here, where all of the dwarves are turned and are watching yeah. Lake Town with horror. And a couple of them are like crying and genuinely are just like, oh God. Yeah. It's very like, you can feel the emotion, you can feel the regret. <clears throat> and is it is it Gloin who's like, oh God, help them. Like he just knows that. Yeah, one of them says, yeah. yeah, God bless their souls or something. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Thorin is staring at the mountain. And so you know that's where his mind is. Yeah. Bilbo is watching Thorin yep. and has this like look of concern on his face and is like, oh, I don't know how that's because this is something that Smaug mentioned and warned him about yeah. when they were talking. Um, and he's like, I'm sure that won't happen. And then now <laughs> he's like, oh, it might actually be happening. Yeah. Back in Lake Town, Bard has escaped and he climbs up like the, I don't know, tower. Oh, yeah. Like he punches through the roof. I had. Oh, I, that's right. I wrote, yeah. on my, I, I wrote in my notes. I was like, did he just punch through the roof because he's just it's just like wood and all of a sudden it just goes and he's just and then pops his head up and you're just like oh okay well, now i'm this is just occurring to me then what was the whole point of ripping the bars off of the window <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so i don't know if he punched through the roof of the jail because he went to go get a bow and arrow and stuff didn't he oh that's right so okay he, yeah i remember I think he, he goes into like the armory yeah or he goes into the I think armory that's where he punches the the roof and then he punches okay, through the roof it. and then we because we see all those little bits of um people like panicking and i i wrote down here is it weird that i can identify peter jackson's daughter in every single one of these films that's pretty crazy she makes a teeny little yeah she makes a very teeny little cameo appearance. i only know that she was a cameo in this scene because i was looking at imdb earlier I never yeah. saw I her. I legitimately, I've watched the film so many times that I, I saw her and then I was like, that's Peter Jackson's daughter. And then I kept going. And then I was like, wait, was that Peter Jackson's daughter? Like, I've, mm -hmm. I've watched these movies so many times. I can literally, in every single film, including the original trilogy, I'm like, oh, there she is. Well, there she is. Yeah. Yeah. So he punches through the roof. That's it. In the armory when he grabs the bo a bow and arrow. Um, also, he just grabs like one quiver. I mean, maybe that's like all that was there. But like if I was ch facing a dragon, I would them. be like, I'm all taking of them. all of the arrows. <laughs> but also, didn't they have an entire conversation about how normal arrows don't do I know, anything? I know. I know. But he, he he's working with what he's got. Yeah, he's that's true. He is working got. with what he's got. But I know, I know, yeah. So he climbs he climbs up the bell tower and starts shooting at Smaug. And then there's one point where like the bell is tolling and he cuts the rope of the bell, yep. which I just find funny, where he is, is just like shit. Because it's right up. over his head and it's just like ah, and he's I just need like to focus <laughs> and cuts it. Um yeah. and then in the boat, Tariel and the dwarves and his kids see that he's up there shooting at mm -hmm. Smaug. Keely is like, I saw him. He hit the dragon. And Tario's like, that's not possible. <laughs> um, and 
<laughs> did you like my impression? That really got you. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. Um, Bane is like, oh, what a good time to use this giant spear. <laughs> And he grabs that and is like, I'm going to go help him. And he jumps up um, and goes to help Bard. And then so his sisters are screaming and are like, pain. And then they're like, we have to go after him. And Tariel is like kind of hardcore. And she's like, it's too late. There's nothing we can do for him now. And I'm like, I mean, I don't I mean, it is cold. It is cold. But also I'm like, they're children and they should they need to get out of there. Yeah, she's getting the rest of them to safety. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if anything happened to Bard, he probably would at least be appreciative that his children made it kind of yeah yeah i think so you too. know i'm yeah, just two of, like, the, eh. two of the three would have made it yeah, yeah two of the three plus they're quite young so it's like just get get out of here get out of here also bane he gets there really like really fast oh, i don't yeah. know how I like know. all of a yep. sudden bard is up there and there's a shot where he turns around and the last arrow and he's like okay yeah. and then picks it up shoots it obviously it doesn't do anything and he's like oh i'm out of arrows and then bane pops up and is like what about this surprise <laughs> Yeah. So funny. And Bard is like, you can't be here, blah, blah, blah. And then Smaug attacks. Okay, so the, like the whole movie, right? These kids have been doing nothing but yelling, da! He yells dad with a hard D at the end in this shot where like <laughs> Smaug is like hitting the tower. Yeah. He yells dad with a hard D. And I just, I don't, I don't know why I, I, I was like, oh my God, he said dad. Yeah. I, it's also um, the actor who plays his son. I know him from something else where he's very, very Scottish. So hearing him speak in a way that was not that, I was like, I, mm, what, what's happening? I have that with this movie, with Smaug, because there are some points where it just straight up sounds like they didn't put the Smaug voice on. And I was like, that's just Benedict Cumberbatch And it's just talking. Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. <laughs> Smaug knocks down the tower and then sees Bard and like comes over to like taunt him. Bard grabs the spear out of Bane's hands. And the way that Bane looks, it looks like he's like, I don't know, dying or something. Oh, when, like, he, I don't when know he's why. like so shook, he's just like, uh, because yeah. he just And got- then he like releases. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He was just like, so that scared. Was, yeah, that was just kind of like, I don't know, odd, whatever. And he grabs the spear. He goes to reach for the bow, like the old bow, the yep. like regular normal bow. Yeah. And I was, and it's broken. Yep. And then Smaug is like, oh, what are you going to do now, bow man? I'm like, Bard, were you planning to launch this harpoon with a regular bow i mean clearly clearly he was <laughs> like what what was the plan here whereas i think when you see it in the original when they're like talking about what happened way back when when he first turned up he has like a big thing that he's using yeah. right it's like a whole yeah i don't know what to i still haven't learned every episode where we mention that thing i'm always like i don't know what it's called and i still haven't learned what that thing is called should we just call it the dragon killer the dragon the dragon killer, killer. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't they have one? Like, didn't they point out? I feel like we saw it at some point. I don't know. But maybe it got destroyed and then he just had the bow. But I love then that his he's like, oh, no, hold on. Hope is not lost. And he, like, jabs it into the wood to make a faux bow by using his son's shoulder. But I was like, how strong are you that you can just, like, shove that in in there this is like he's i'm just just like Bard, uh, he is he's superman the best character <laughs> is is what i just have yeah. always come to the conclusion i mean i guess all of the adrenaline was running and the super strength just kicked in and he was yeah, just like he's amazing and he's gonna get go. it done he's yeah. gonna get the job yeah. done yeah um so yeah smaug is taunting him and he's like oh is that your child like you will all burn <laughs> yeah then he creates this makeshift 
spear launcher and this with his child this, yeah <laughs> he's just been so threatened this is by a, a dragon this is an addition from the book yeah because in the book bard does not have he's like the first time you see him is when smaug shows up to lake town yeah. to destroy everything and then you're like who is this random character that just took down yeah our villain yeah <laughs> you know um and so he doesn't have a family or anything i really like this addition yeah from the book where it's like a father-son thing. It's this family mission because, like, it was his ancestor. ancestors yeah. who, like, who knocked that scale away and created that weak spot but didn't finish the job. And so that's kind of been, like, the shame of his family. And then now, literally, like, on the, like, back of the future generation yeah. is, like, using this to, like, complete their I don't know their like family journey and destiny yeah absolutely and I think that's the thing that always happens when you're adapting a book into a film is like you have to have a reason to care about the people that you're watching and if we Mm -hmm, if we didn't have a reason to care about Bard if he literally just turned up in this moment we'd be like cool who are you um but because we know he's got children because we know that he is the ancestor of these this person who like tried to kill dragon before and failed and because he's sort of carrying that around with him like even the way that he talks the way that people revere him in one sense but also like they kind of i think the master like makes fun of him for it he's like well wasn't your like grandfather the one who was supposed to isn't it your fault yeah yeah, yeah. like he's with like a wagging finger like uh, excuse me but yeah like if we didn't know all of that stuff it would be a lot less rewarding and also we just wouldn't mm-hmm. care and it just would be very anticlimactic yeah. w- when spoiler alert um he kills the dragon <laughs> yeah everything you said is like exactly how it went down in the book which is yeah. what's so crazy is that it's like Tolkien you wrote this and it kind of makes no sense in terms yeah. of like a narrative structure where like the dragon is being killed by a character we have never met before and it's kind of anticlimactic the only thing that really saves it is that like after that moment Bard really steps up and becomes like the new leader yeah. and then that's immediately when I was like this dude is cool he's the best character and so <laughs> when someone told me that like oh they really do expand on his character in the movies I was like great I will always take more bar yeah he's such a good character he's great even if he does look like will turner <laughs> have you made that connection before that he looks exactly no, like I didn't, will but turner. now i can't unsee it <laughs> what do you mean oh my god it was like one of the first things i noticed where are we in the story uh, god oh he's using <laughs> he's using he's using his son as a makeshift, yeah, the ba- makeshift yeah, yeah, dwarf exactly, killer. Yeah. Which the way that like they're lying and he's like, look at me, son, look at me. And the way that like he's trying, uh, Bane is trying to like take a steady breath and stuff. Yep. And it's like trying not to freak out. They're kind of acting like this is going to kill him, you know? I mean, yeah. But also like if a full grown dragon was talking about killing me and it was like coming up behind yeah, I would me, also be I, would act- I would also be like, I'm about to die. Like, yeah, I would be freaking not. out too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They launch the arrow and Miracle of Miracles, the like feathers on the end of it, like don't smack Bane in the face, which is what I thought, <laughs> but whatever. It hits its mark. It hits that one spot in, in Smaug's armor that has been knocked away. This like death scene for him is so cool. Mm-hmm. And I re- I was like, this is good 
this is great. And he's like really like screaming in agony and he like crashes into things. Yeah. And he flies up into the air. And I love that shot, that wide shot where it shows him like spread, like his wings are all spread out yeah. above Lake Town as he's dying. And then he just like goes, his he just literally goes black and then just like falls. Yeah. You see the like fire inside his eye and like in his mouth and everything just go die out. out. Yeah. And you're just like, oh. Ooh, that was good. Yeah. Ding dong, the dragon's dead. Exactly. Yeah. He <laughs> falls and cr- and lands on the master. And so I guess that that's the end of him. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we go to the dwarves who are on Erebor and Bilbo's like, the dragon fell. I saw like I saw it. I saw it. And they're all like, bless my beard. Smaug is dead. Ding dong. The dragon's dead. <laughs> exactly. And the the ravens of Erebor return to the mountain and everyone's cheering except for Thorin. Yep. He's still off on his own staring at the mountain. Yep. And then the title card for the movie shows up. So yeah. we are an hour <laughs> into the recording for this episode. And we've only just gotten to the title title card has just showed up. Good. That and also, in my opinion, that was the best 10 minutes of this entire film. Yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I've done a lot of complaining about aspects of these movies so far. (laughs) Um, There's very, I have very little complaints about all of that. Yeah. The only, and it's the biggest, like I have one complaint and it's the biggest, which is that this should have happened at the end of the at second the end yeah. of Desolation of Smaug. We should have had the Desolation of Smaug in the movie, The Desolation of Smaug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's my my complaint and it's the biggest complaint, but maybe I'll like re I'll re-edit my own version <laughs> where this well, is that's included. The thing, at isn't the it? End. It's like if it had been two movies, then it would have just made a bit more i don't know like it like halfway through the second movie or i don't know yeah and like that's what's strange is like it well i guess no because the same thing kind of happens in return of the king where you have the battle of pelinor fields yeah which is huge like climactic moment and really great and you know reaches a climax and then has a resolution and everything and that's just like in the middle of the movie yeah and then the movie continues on yep so i guess it would have been similar and to then that, there's another where, like, battle you have this yeah <laughs> Where it's like, oh, wait, shoot, we didn't even, like, every time finishing, like, watching Return of the King, the Battle of Pelennor Fields ends, and I'm like, wow, that was a good movie. And then I'm like, oh, no, there's there's still, still, like, an hour left. Sorry. They're still going. (laughs) They're still going. We got to do the ring and everything. I forgot about that. Yeah. We have this quick shot of Gandalf, who I always forget is there. Yep. Um, and he's trapped in this cage at Dol Guldur. He's not in a good place, y'all. No. And he's like muttering some spells underneath. Oh wait, actually, sorry. Hang on, sorry. I need to go back. I need to go back. Yeah. Pretend that. Pretend that. Like, oh no, the dragon was just killed. Oh no, oh, the dragon wow. was just killed. So that will bring us to this week's segment of Is Benedict Cumberbatch actually Smaug? <laughs> It's very dumb. It's so dumb. Benedict Cumberbatch studied iguanas and Komodo dragons at the London Zoo's reptilian house to prepare for the voice of Smaug, aiming for a tone that would, quote, bridge between animal and human, a deep and rasping guttural dryness to the voice. Interesting. Yes. So there we go. So that was, that is this week's segment of is Benedict Cumberbatch actually Smaug? (laughs) Yeah, so I just love hearing like trivia where all these actors like really cared about and it's it was less so reading in the, in the trivia for the Hobbit movies yeah. 
that was less so than for Lord of the Rings because I don't know. I guess there just wasn't the same amount of like dedication that people felt like inclined well, to give I to guess it's, The Hobbit. I don't know. It's a it, smaller it was just cast a very different and it was very they filmed a lot of it on like they filmed some stuff on location, but I think the way that they were was, they were really like in the community for the first one, whereas this one, a lot yeah. of it was done on green screen. So exactly, it's just not yeah. as... It was just a different... It was a different filming process, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's right. Gandalf, yeah, was like in the cage and he's like muttering these spells underneath his breath, mm-hmm. I guess like trying to like keep himself alive or something. Who knows? And then he hears this voice in his head um, and Galadriel says, you are not alone, Mithrandir. Yep. And I'm like, okay, Can't well then could you have showed up here like, <laughs> and, like, a, like a couple hours ago when I was getting smacked down? Like that would have been helpful. Like... Yeah. Whatever. Um, and that's all, that's like literally all that it is, is it's just this shot of Gandalf still captured at Dol Guldur. Yep. And at least I think that's where they are. Um, <laughs> and, He's in a cage. Uh, I was half expecting a little yeah. moth to fly by, but it didn't happen. I know. I'm not there. Yeah, not, not there. this time. It's the one time Wrong that movie, doesn't happen. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Galadriel tells him, He's not alone. And then we'll. Things happen later on. We'll get there. <laughs> on the like shores of Lake Town, everyone is finally getting to safety. Yep. And it's just like mass chaos. People are screaming, looking for each other. There are just like dead bodies like floating in the water. Meanwhile, Alfred is screaming. Yeah, and it's like, it was giving me, me it was giving me a lot of like Titanic vibes. It's like very yeah. oh god, this really horrible thing has just happened. And like that's like everyone's livelihood is just literally in the middle of the lake on fire it's like oh god yeah where do we go from here yeah and like people have lost like loved ones and stuff and then meanwhile alfred's just in the background screaming and it's like you brought this on yourself whatever yeah i have very little sympathy for him (laughs) the dwarves get ready they're like getting a boat ready to set out for the mountain yep Keely turns around to talk to Tariel one last time. And I always forget that, like, oh, he's a dwarf and she's an elf. Like, he's just so small. Yep. <laughs> when he's next to Tariel. Um, he's like, come with us. Like, I know how I feel. Yeah. I he So he says something in Dwarvish. And then she's like, I don't know what that means. And he's like, I think you do. He's like, I think you do. And I was like, hell yeah, you do. <laughs> like, oh, my God. You know, so, you I know you definitely know. <laughs> yeah and he says i know how i feel i'm not afraid i'm like hang on let's let's reverse let's look at this relationship so you had a conversation when you were in prison yep it was her prison yep and you guys had a conversation together like one nice conversation cool yep the next time you see each other you are dying It's, and, and then she, she does her elf thing where she's glowing. I hated that moment. I don't know if you also hate that moment, but I absolutely despised it with every fiber of my being. It's a little it's a little bit weird, but it's also not it's kind of like a precedent like it happens in the other films when elves are doing things, they glow. Yeah. It's just sort of whatever. It's a weird one, but it's it yeah, didn't, so, like surprise so, me. And at that point he's also he's like he thinks he's hallucinating because there's that scene later on where he's like, you're not her. Like she was, I thought she was here, but she's far, far away or whatever. So like he thinks he's hallucinating yeah. basically. And they don't even like hold hands. They just like touch fingertips. And then they all jump in a boat and flee from a dragon. Yep. And that is the extent of their relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
when you know, you know, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so he's, you know, asking her to leave everything she knows behind, yeah. which she already has done. We find and we find out in a later scene, too. Um, And it's like, come with it. And I'm like, you got the majority of your relationship so far has involved like escaping death. Let's yeah, like calm down a bit. Let's like take also, a few steps back. Also, I feel back. like you're cool with it, but do you really think Thorin's gonna be cool with it? Because I'm pretty sure he spent the last two movies talking about how he hates elves. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I don't think he's yeah, gonna be like, oh, no... hey, babe, welcome to the family. Well, maybe if he found out that Tariel saved him from literal death, you know, he would be like, okay, okay. She's chill. I, I don't know. I mean, he still hasn't quite come around to Bilbo not being annoying. So, like, that's true. <laughs> I think that's he's very, very set true. In his, it, he's very set in his prejudices, and he's so like proud. He would refuse help from people just on the basis that they are what they are. Yeah. So I feel like if, if Kaylee rocked up and was like, "Hey, Uncle Thorin, like, come be my girlfriend," he'd be like, no, "Get out! You're disowned. Get out! You're fired." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, I was about to say the good thing is, but it's not necessarily a good thing. Um, let's just say we don't have to worry about that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. Then <laughs> there's the shot. And it makes me like laugh every single time. Yeah. Tariel and Keely are looking at each other. And then all of a sudden it starts panning over and Legolas is just standing behind her. <laughs> And it's like so creepy. It's like so, so creepy, creepy looking. It's so creepy. And it's creepy. also, it seems so obvious to me that they were like, we got to remind people this is a love triangle. Yeah, no, they do. And I think also, just speaking about Legolas, I keep having to remind myself that this is Legolas pre Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Because like he. I was I kept being like, why is he behaving like this? Like, what is this? And then I was like, oh, oh he's right. insane. All oh, right. So like everything that happened, because obviously he was kind of like this at the start of Lord of the Rings, but then he and Gimli and all of that stuff, like they become friends and you sort of see him soften. And I kept having to remind myself that like none of that has happened yet. Which mm-hmm. is why I like didn't really like like Legolas in this. I was just like, um. my previous guest made the connection that Legolas is basically just the Terminator in these <laughs> movies, and I'm like, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, points were made. Like, points were made. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Legolas is there and is like, Tariel, like we're ne- we're needed elsewhere. She turns to go, and Keely turns to go, and then Keely all of a sudden turns back and is like, take this, and gives her the stone that he was playing with um in the in, in desolation the jail, of smaug yeah. that that his mom which like side note i wonder how feely feels knowing that like his mom maybe he also had maybe his maybe their mom gave them both little rocks that say you know return home or whatever it is yeah so maybe they both have one but like i wonder how feely feels knowing that like keely got one and he doesn't have one or something or at least know. we don't <laughs> see him playing with one and i mean i'll give it to keely he is being very sweet. If that was me, I don't know if I'd be like, sorry, can't go. Bye. He that's is very like, sweet. Like That's what annoys me about like this unnecessary, very forced romantic plot line is that like Keely is very cute and he is very charming. Yeah. You know? I mean, it helps that he's, he's wrapped up in a package that's as good looking as Aiden Turner. Yes. That yes. helps, definitely. So then he sets off. The, the dwarves get in the boat and leave. The next time that Tariel and Keely see each other, um, Keely is... Shh, shh. We don't need to, we don't need to say it. 
I know it in my heart, but Spoiler we don't. redacted. <laughs> I know it in my heart, but we don't need to say it. But like, I just like to like lay out this romantic yeah. relationship in terms of like actual scenes where they are together, you yeah. know? It's just a little bit, it is a little bit superfluous. And it's just like, I don't know. It just like the the relationship know. between just, them is interesting, but it's just it's still very weird. They needed a reason to add a woman yeah. into the series yeah. in a way that like she would be involved in more of the plot lines. And she yeah. and this was what they came up with. I don't know. They could I guess maybe like in, instead of having like Bard be a single father, maybe like the mom was still there and the wife helps them and is a part of the action somehow. Yeah, I don't know. Like that could have been another way to add in a, a woman. Um, But yeah, they were clearly like, well, what can women do? I know. Love. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing we're good for. Yeah. The dwarves set off and they are terrible at rowing. Yep. I just wanted to point that out. Yep. They're like doing a really bad job of rowing. Yep. <laughs> also, their oars look, they, they might not even have oars because they kind of look like shovels. I think they're just, um, I mean, their whole town did just get destroyed. So I feel like just they're, just, yeah. they're just like, let's just grab what we can that can be used as an oar and we'll just go with exactly. it. Exactly. So working with whatever yeah, they have. Yeah. yeah. Then we have um, a scene where. Alfred is just being annoying <laughs> and it's just like running around like being like someone help me blah blah, blah. and then finally Give me a blanket and they're all just like can you shut yeah up? this is when the townspeople are finally able because he's not working for the master you know, he's not you know the master's yeah sidekick and they're just like shut up you're a sniveling sorry excuse of a person go away i wish you had died in that attack and he like raises his hand to hit someone and then bard's hand grabs him grabs his wrist yeah there's just like weird little spin he does <laughs> okay no this so this this is really it's like the stupidest detail but it really confuses me the way that he grabs his hand I always expect him to like come from the other direction. So he grabs his hand and then he's like sort of over his shoulder as opposed yeah, to he's like, like behind yeah, yeah. him. Yeah. As opposed to grabbing his hand to, like, and like turn him. But yeah, but they could have done it and had it look a lot less weird. Like I, every time I watch it, I'm like, wait, I'm I, trying to think. What angle are um, you even doing? Maybe we, now that I'm thinking about it, we, I don't think we've seen Bard since they killed Smaug and the tower that they were on collapsed. Yeah. So I don't think we technically saw them get out of that. Yeah. So I think maybe they're going for a reveal of like, look, he's still like, it's Bard. He's alive. Yeah. But as know. soon as he I, grabs his hand, you know who it's going to be. And it's not even, it's not even like the reveal. I totally get that. I literally just mean like the logistics of his hand where he grabs him and where I'm expecting him to know, move yeah. to. Cause it's cause like, he's literally on the other side of his head as opposed to like turning him and being like, what you doing? Yeah, Do you know what I mean. It's like, like a very, it's, in, it's a very intimate. It is. Uh, it's very like intimate. Pose they're in. They're very close together. It's very yeah. intimate, but also just the the angle of it and the way that he appears just feels so unnatural to me. Like it's just a, yeah. it's a very trivial thing. But every time I watch it, I'm just like, how did you totally get it? How yeah. did you get your body there? <laughs> what? I don't question anything. At no, this point. yeah, you just like, kind of regarding like, but it always it does. When, like... As soon as Legolas, as soon as Legolas shows up, I'm just like, ah, eh, well, physics don't matter, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, and Bane like trips him and he falls down. The girls, you know, they're running through, and of course, what are they saying? Da, they're screaming da, um, and they see him. They all, you know, hug and are reunited. And I really love 
this moment where Bard is like, he's holding his kids, they're reunited, and then there's like a villager who says like, it was Bard that slayed the dragon, Bard saved us, and everyone's like cheering around him, and he like kind of looks over at the guy who like said that, but he, all he cares about is is that his kids are safe. Yeah, it's really sweet. It's so sweet. Yeah, and he doesn't care about like taking he doesn't care about like taking that credit necessarily. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, like he didn't do it for the glory. He literally did it to save his yes. children. And it's just like and that's the thing, isn't it? Is like even though we didn't get all of this in the book, it's what we were talking about before, that we wanna care about him and like having all of that there, we know his motive. Like he didn't do it to kill the dragon. He literally did it so that his children would have a chance. And just mm-hmm. when they hug Oh God, it's so It's such a sweet it's so yeah, heart such a sweet and moment. they're all just like yeah. and even when he says it, he like kind of looks at him, but then he's immediately like, Children, children, back to my hug now. And yeah, he's not yeah. like, Yeah, no, it's very sweet. Then Alfred Stupid <laughs> is Alfred. Like, yeah, Bard. Say like, oh hail King Bard. And I love the way that like the crowd is just not giving Alfred anything. Yep. They're just like silent and they're just like, shut up up like you <laughs> nearly like caused you know, you caused like so much trouble for all of us yeah. you are a terrible human being and they all start like turning on him and gather and like <sighs> bard is just too good he's just too good of a man yeah and he stops them from i guess were that were they just gonna like straight up kill alfred right then and there i mean you know like yeah like just in cold blood like it's very I very, guess so. uh, revenge, very <laughs> vengeful, isn't it? Like now that they mm-hmm. have the opportunity. I guess after I guess after a dragon attacks your town, you just I mean you have less don't really care. Well, anymore, that's the thing, you know? isn't it? They literally have nothing left to lose. They've literally just lost yeah, everything. True. And this person was like they were already struggling, so they were already on their last legs. And this person is a big reason why they were on their last legs. And now he's trying to like continue that behavior and they've just lost everything. So they're all just like, Yeah, no, no, we are not doing no, this. No. Yeah, we're not doing this again yet. And so Bard steps in and saves Alfred, even though he definitely does not deserve to to be saved, and gives this speech about, like, we can't turn on each other. We have to stick together. Like, this is, you know, look at all this destruction that caught. We have to, like, stick together. And that's the only way that we're going to survive. Let's just, like, you know, be a team together. Supposedly, I want to go back and look for this. In this scene, the fourth wall is broken by a Siberian husky who looks directly into the camera. I didn't even know there was a dog there. I didn't notice that either. But I know there's a point later. I know that there's a point later when you can see, like, there's sort of a wide shot of the crowd and you, like, see a dog walking. But I just like I think it's during I think it's during that part or something. Oh. This says during Bard's speech to the people of Lake Town after they reach dry land, the oh. fourth wall of cinema is broken by a Siberian husky. Oh. I mean So I just think that's funny. That's cute. Oh, also speaking of dogs, I I don't know why this trivia was under Battle of Five Armies and it wasn't in Desolation of Smaug. Just speaking of dogs, the pugs that are in Lake Town when they first arrive are Peter Jackson's dogs. Aw, cute. So even his dogs get cameos in the movies. Yeah. It's not just his it's not just his human children. Yep, it's also, it's also his, his fur children. Lake Town is like kind of reunited now and Bard is the um de facto leader. Yeah. And he's just he's the best. He's the best character. I also love the moment when um when he's saying all that and Alfred tries to like do something and he just shoves him like mid speech. He doesn't even stop. He's just like Whoa! and you just hear Alfred Ugh. go, Ugh. 
you hear his little noise. I'm just like, (laughs) and I think what I wrote in my notes is that guy is such a prick. Yes, exactly. That's like the only like purpose of his character. Yeah. He's just terrible. So the dwarves that have left Lake Town are now making the trek over to the mountain. And I like this little moment where like they pause at the entrance of Airborne and they like kind of look around. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe we made it. And then they look at each other and then they run inside almost like they're, you know, like children or something. Well, I actually, I actually read that very differently because I feel like when they're first coming up the side of the mountain, they're like, oh, look, there it is. And then they get closer and they see the giant hole in the door and then they're like oh, oh that's another way to read it of like and then they oh, run yeah so i took it as they're running in crap. to like see who's still alive that's true okay yeah that's a good way yeah um, i think that's actually maybe the more accurate yeah. reading <laughs> and then, of that scene and then this is where i also wrote about how i literally can never remember most of the dwarves names except for the that's ones fine. that we that's said fine. before that's fine i love the little pitter it's my fa- it's my it's maybe my favorite aspect of all of the trilogies that like there are all these battle scenes happening and bull- and then all of a sudden you'll hear like this little pitter patter of bare feet on like stone or, or something yeah. and it's because one of the hobbits is running yeah. over it's my favorite thing ever yeah yep. so um i love that little pitta patter of bilbo's feet yeah. as he's like running over to them and is like wait we have to like turn back now we all have to leave and yep. i love that martin freeman is just a plus all the time the like sense of urgency he's so good yeah yeah no he's so good i literally wrote <laughs> martin freeman as bilbo is so pure he's just like yes just like oh so good i think my favorite so thing good. is um i can't remember if this is do you know what i'm not gonna say that because i don't remember if this happens in this version or if it happens in the extended one and i don't want to ruin it so i take that back okay. anyway <laughs> martin freeman as bilbo is so pure Yes, he is so pure, so pure. <laughs> um, and he says, like, we all need to leave. It's foreign. He's lost his mind. And I've tried talking to him. And it's too late. And I'm worried about you guys, too. We all need to leave. Yeah. Well, doesn't he say that he's been down there for days? Yeah. And so I, was I guess like, it's taken them uh, but- days to travel from Lake Town. But it didn't to- take the other dwarves days. I know. I know. I thought about that as well. I was like, it's been. I thought about that, too. It's been like five. It's been like five minutes. I thought it. Yeah, I thought it was the like time, five. I thought it was like yeah. hours because it's still the only thing I can think of is that maybe it's the next. Maybe it took them a full day to row across the lake or something, and because they're such bad rowers, because <laughs> they only had sh- actually they only what? had shovels and sticks and not oars. Yeah, because they're just maybe they're that's just what bad it rowers. is. They were such bad rowers. It took them days to get there. Yeah. <laughs> because when Smaug is attacking the village, right, that's when Thorin is like off looking at the mountain and that's when Bilbo's like, oh, and it's like the next morning, early the next morning that the dwarves leave. And then yeah. by the time they, it seems like kind of dusky when they're, when they're yeah. getting there. So it's definitely not been days. It's maybe been one day. <laughs> at most. Maximum. Yes, exactly. Um, I did question that as well. This is where I feel like a scene is missing. And maybe this is in the extended edition. Yeah. And it's something that I really wish that they had done show, don't tell. Yeah. But they didn't, to me, do a good job of showing a like gradual change in Thorin of being like 
this is Thorin, king under the mountain, leader of the dwarves and everything. And then, oh, this is Thorin and he's being overtaken by this dragon sickness or yeah i think they just call it a sickness lies on that they just say keep saying a sickness lies on that treasure so i don't know exactly like what it is i think it Um, is like dragon sickness yeah i really wish that we had seen that happen more gradually rather than just all of a sudden bilbo was saying that like they did the opposite here where they told us rather than showed it to us yeah i mean i think you do see as the film goes on, you see sort of more and more of like Thorin losing his mind. Yeah, you see, you see it get worse and worse, yeah. but you don't really see. But it does start quite abruptly. Yeah, it starts really abruptly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, him standing in the middle of a room full of gold is like a whole mood. Just the way that he's just like, like the way that he's breathing, the oh way that God. he's just staring. Like it is a mood. Yes. Just so like, um, oh. while while Bilbo is talking to them, Feely all of a sudden, I don't know if maybe that's like a hint of like he's also being drawn in by the treasure because he's like a direct, you know, descendant or whatever yeah. from that same line. And so he gets drawn over. Over and they go chasing after him. So I don't know what this music theme is called, but it's whatever plays when they show the dwarves and Bilbo looking out over the treasure and they see Thorin. Yeah. I really love that music theme yeah. because it's it's very foreboding as opposed to like normally in a movie when you see your heroes with a pile of treasure, it would be something that, that's like really triumphant, you know? I mean, I will say, like, I have always really loved all the music that they do in all these films. Like, they like the music that plays when they're in the Shire mm-hmm. is very specific, and it makes you think of that. Um, but I, yeah, no, I, I, I know what you mean. Like, they do kind of set the scene, and I'm trying to remember. See, this is the problem with having seen the extended version fairly recently, as well as this first half hour of this film. I'm like, wait, did that happen in the theatrical release, or didn't it? Because I also remember. There's a scene. Was there a scene with Bilbo and the acorn? That happens later. In the that movie. happens later. Oh, but it happens in the theatrical. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember that happen, there's like yeah. a moment where he like, when you see him, there's like, it's quite ominous. And then you see the acorn, like obviously when Thorin is like, what are you doing? And he's like, it's an, it's an kill acorn, dude. Yeah. And then you hear a bit of the Shire music and it's immediately like, oh. I love all of those little moments throughout all of the movies. Yeah. Where Howard Shore was like, I'm going to make the audience cry right (laughs) now. Right? (laughs) And then puts in like a little tiny bit of the Shire theme when you're not in the Shire. And it's like, oh my God, I just want to go back there. Isn't it incredible just how music can do that though? Like you just, oh, so good. I know. Yeah, so good. Thorin looks up at the dwarves and like, you would think he would have been like, oh good, my nephew, you're alive. (laughs) He's like, no, you know, look at all I, my gold. Last I saw you, you were dying. Yeah. <laughs> he and says instead says like, you know, look upon it, my sister, sons, you know, the treasure of Thor. Or Thor, <laughs> not Thor. <laughs> Thor is a different character. I mean, sure, an entirely sure. different franchise. Yeah. Um, Thor. This is a multiverse now. And then he has a good arm on him. He like picks up a random gem and chucks it <laughs> across like like I don't even think you could get a major league baseball player to Oh yeah, no. He throw like throws something it. as he far like, as he does it. Yeah. 
uh, Feely catches it and looks at it and they're all kind of like, this is odd. <laughs> but we'll worry about that later, I guess. I don't know. They run into like the next room where the rest of the dwarves are yeah. and they're all, I love this little moment where like they all like, because they, you know, the dwarves who were in Erebor probably assumed that they were dead. They had all died. Yeah. At the very least, they might have even just assumed that Keely was dead because uh, he had been wounded. And then the other dwarves maybe assumed that they were dead too. So yeah, everyone's just happy to see that each other are alive. Yeah. And then they immediately set to work looking for the Arkenstone. And Thorne's like, no one rests until I get my hands on the Arkenstone. Mm-hmm. Bilbo has a moment where he's off by himself. And we ha- we see a little flashback where right before like the big dragon attack happens and Bilbo puts the ring on and he like goes to run off. He had actually grabbed the Arkenstone in that moment. Yeah. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's shiny and it glows. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and we do get more. We do get a reminder of that scene with Smaug where Smaug is saying like, I like would almost rather you take it so that you can yeah. watch Thorin, you know, watch it drive Thorin mad. Yeah. Bilbo at that point in the present takes the Arkenstone out of his pocket and is just kind of like quietly like contemplating to himself and is like this is slightly concerning. Yeah. He's like <laughs> he's just sitting there going, I'm in a bit of a pickle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So back by Lake Town, everyone is gathering, you know, things, getting ready to leave. And Bard is like, we're going to seek shelter in the mountain. And Alfred is like, oh, you're a genius, sire. There will be beds and blah. It'll smell of dragon, but the women can clean it. Because they thought, we've not made Alfred gross and annoying enough. Yeah, we have we to, need make, to him make him sexist, too. Yeah, we have to make him a sexist. Yep. Yeah. And just, that was another moment when I really just wanted to, ooh, just... Sock him a good Throttle one. Him. Yeah. yeah. And just like the self-control in Bard to just ignore him. Yep. You know? Yep. <laughs> and to just be like, this is not, you know. There are, this there is, are more like, important things Pick your to battles. Do. Pick your battles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the whole, you know, Lake Town is preparing to head to the mountains um, and seek shelter there. And Alfred is like, yeah, and we'll get our treasure too. And Bard says, we will take only what we need to rebuild our lives because they're, you know, that treasure is cursed. Yeah. We're only going to take what we need yeah. because otherwise it will, you know, lead to our ruin. And then Legolas comes up. I don't remember what they're talking about, but Legolas and Bard talk about something where Legolas blinks several times. Oh, yeah. Bring he this like, up. talks about how the news of Smaug's death will be like traveling across That's the right. land. That's right, we'll travel. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Or something. And so during this conversation, Legolas blinks a normal amount, like a human amount of blinking. And I bring this up because there was this trivia and for uh, Desolation of Smaug that was like, Legolas only blinks twice in this movie. First when the orc head, first when Thranduil decapitates the orc that they are interrogating, and second when he realizes that he's bleeding for the first time. <laughs> What? <laughs> and then, yeah, and it's like, that's because it's like, and then I was like, that's because Legolas only blinks when he's surprised or injured or something. Uh. And then here he is in the scene, just like normal human. I mean, blinking. he's had a tough day, you know, maybe he's just like a little bit tired and he blinks more when so he's tired. I just thought it was funny <laughs> that like this piece of trivia made such a big deal about the fact that like Legolas only blinks, but and I'm like, that is really funny. Blinking but uh, do you right know what? Here. I remember um, for the original trilogy, like Elijah Wood saying that one of the reasons he got the job is because he can 
not blink for a very long time. He can sta- yeah, like he, he can, can keep stare. his eyes open for a very long time. And that was like one of the things. And he was like, yeah, so like that scene after I'm like stung by the spider and I'm just like in the like wrapped up in the cocoon. That's just like him just being like not. Yeah, that's actually. As this yeah, is right. Elijah so as this is an audio medium, I should explain to everyone that I literally just. <laughs> oh, yeah, that you're just staring off into space. Staring off into the <laughs> Exactly. I mean, but like everyone can see that <laughs> being like in the audition room and it's like, do you have any special skills? And it's like, yeah, I can stare blankly into space. Yeah. It's like, OK, yeah, we meant more like, do you sing? Do you dance? And then he's like, wait, no, no, <laughs> yeah. let me show you. And then he just gets down on the floor and just does it. And then just, they're and just they're like, like, OK, they're just like, wow, got the job. You've got the job. <laughs> you got the job. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so then Tariel and Legolas, I think, are talking about, oh, because Legolas is like, we have to head off here. Those orcs are not normal orcs. They bore a mark I have not seen in a long time. Those are orcs of Gundabad. Who comes up with these names? Like, what? I know. Tolkien, apparently. Actually, I've always wondered, Gundabad, if that's something that, like, Tolkien himself, like, where if it originated with Tolkien. Yeah. Um, well, because or he if it wrote, was something... he, so I feel like there are things, right, that he wrote in the novels, but then he wrote a lot of, like, additional material. Oh, he has an insane amount of, like... So it's almost one of those things where I wonder if they, like, they they name things that aren't named in the book, but they were like, no, but we can, we can, like, look at all of his stuff and sort of figure out that that's what this is talking about. Exactly, yeah. Where they just would have, like, pulled something from his notes or, like, yeah. annotations Well, because I feel stuff. like that is a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that's, like, not in the books for both trilogies. They did that. Yeah. Just to, like, fill it out a bit. Yeah, and it's tricky because I think... At the time that they were doing The Hobbit, they didn't have rights to the Silmarillion. Right. Which is where, like, I imagine a lot of these things would have come. Um, I think pretty much, like, all of Gandalf's, like, subplot in this movie comes from the appendices of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Which I've not read. <laughs> no, I have <laughs> not read Because people were like, either. eh, don't worry about yeah. it. Um, <laughs> you kind of get the information anyway. Like, it's very, yeah, I'll I think cover, there's a lot of stuff. I'll, I'm sure I'll cover them eventually. Yeah. When I run out of stuff to cover, <laughs> um, which is happening, which is happening quickly, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, this once time the a new, month from now, the new um, <laughs> TV series comes out, then you'll have plenty. I know. You're like, come on, Amazon. Exactly. Not yeah, a thing right, I say right, very right. often, but well, like, let's go. So here's the thing. I know, honestly, honestly. <laughs> so the thing is, is that I, they were originally saying for the longest time that the series, they were planning for a fall or I think they even just said late yeah. 2021 premiere. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that'll be perfect. I'll finish covering the Hobbit movies. I'm sure by then we'll have, you know, a release date yeah. for the the series. And then I can plan for, you know, however many weeks are in between me finishing the Hobbit movies and then the series premiere. Turns out it's like going to be, it's going to be like, it's like 48 weeks are in between oh, good. <laughs> me because I originally was like, oh, okay, they'll release it in like November or December <laughs> of 2021. Yeah. No, no, September 2022. Oh, and I was like, no. oh, that's that's quite a bit more time that I have to That fill. is quite a bit more time. Um, I mean, I guess you could always just go back and watch the terrifying animated ones from the 70s. <laughs> Or do like the stage play yeah. or like the so whatever else. I do have a list of things that I'm making to cover that are not necessarily like oh Tolkien wrote this yeah. you know and then listeners sneak peek 
the things that I will be covering immediately after finishing the Hobbit movies are the animated films. Oh my god, which that's I amazing. am just so fascinated by. I don't remember them in great detail, but there are specific moments that I do remember that when I watched the films for the first time, I was like, oh, oh God, it's coming back into my brain. And like specifically, I think at the end of Return of the King, when Gollum bites his finger off and like, yeah, uh-huh. and like takes the ring, um, that gave me nightmares as a child. <laughs> like, so when we, when I, from the, from the animated, yeah, from movie? the animated one, but I didn't, oh but I didn't remember the context of it. Like, it's not like I re- remembered watching the entire film. It was just something triggered in my brain. That and I image. was like, yeah. Oh, okay. That scene's pretty terrifying in, you know, the live action. Oh, yeah. It's very, very it's well very, made very terrifying. Return of the King. Yep. So I can only imagine what it's like in that, you know, like 70s kind of like everyone's everyone's on drugs. Anyway, Gundabad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I maintain, I maintain that Gundabad sounds like a German candy bar. It does. Or like a... A water park or something. I don't know. A theme park. You know why? It's um, because it's really close to that thing that people say sometimes when they go, wunderbar. Yeah, That's yeah, That's what yeah. it is. So I'm like, <laughs> wait, which one is it now? And it's, just, it's just so funny because like everything, like all of the names and, and everything in this world like, I'm always like, oh, yeah, that definitely sounds like something that, like, Tolkien wrote or, like, oh, yeah, that's Elvish or whatever. Yeah. This is the one thing where I'm like, that just sounds German. Yeah, <laughs> it, sounds it does. It sounds German. a bit. It sounds a bit strange. Sorry, not to say that German is strange. I just mean, like, it doesn't sound like a lot of Well, German is a very, it's a very, like, harsh language, yeah. you know? And so it's very distinctive whenever someone, you know, says something that has, like, German roots in it yeah. or whatever. Then we cut to the orcs who I don't care about. I Whenever we cut to, like, what Azog is up to, I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, whatever they're doing, whatever. Also, just because... The CGI is so bad. I'm just like, Ugh. yeah, that too. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Because Legolas was like, I recognize the their leader Bolg is the you know su- the offspring or whatever he says yeah. of Azog. Yeah, and so we see Bolg meet up with Azog after he has just left Lake Town, and Azog is like, so did you kill them? And he's like. No, they were really good at fighting. Um, but <laughs> but they they uh, flee, we they ran. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> yeah, we won. Cough, cough. Um, yeah, Azog is not happy about that, and so he tells Bolg to go to Gundabad, and I don't understand why that is. Because there's more people waiting, isn't it? I don't. There's I, like more legions of orcs. Is that waiting. where? Okay, so he's telling him to go meet up with the army that's there. Yeah, and like bring them and and lead them. Yeah. Okay, so he yeah. So they so he sends Bolg off there, and then that's when Azog gets like, all right, now we'll keep going. But this is what okay, all right. <laughs> this is what I don't understand <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah. Because Gundabad, if I understand it correctly, is pretty much in the same direction as the Misty Mountains. I think it's like a little bit north of there. So it's like, why would we not all just like travel there together? You know, it's like we're going all in like we're all going in the same direction now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I I don't know. This is where I like really am not good at the directions and figuring out like where all the different like locations are and like where they are relative to other locations. I feel like I need to look at a map to really understand. Also, it just seems like I feel like. For the amount of time even like that their journey took to get to the Lonely Mountain is a bit like, 
I, I just need some context about like how far they've yes. traveled and how yes. and how because even at the end of um, Return of the King and I can say this purely because we literally just watched it the other night. It's like at the end when he like zooms over the map and you like see all the places yeah. they've been and then you're like they I mean it's far but it felt like it was a lot further than it was and I was a bit yeah, like for sure. Oh. Wait a minute. Wait and, a minute. I mean, well, and the same thing, the same thing like happens when at the end of this movie, when Bilbo and Gandalf start heading back towards the Shire. And it's like, wow, you guys got there really quick, considering it took you, you know, one and a half movies yeah. to get to the Misty Mountains. Yeah. <laughs> when if you think about like um, the Lord of the Rings series, like the whole thing from from when he left the Shire to when they like returned to the Shire, it was a year because he's yeah. like a, a, almost a year to the day and you're just like, so hold on. How long did it take you then to? Well, I think what? they were resting. I think they were like yeah. resting and celebrating quite a bit in um, in Gondor yeah. after everything ended and whatnot. Yeah, but it's. I just still think it's like my concept of how far apart things are in the world of Middle Earth. I'm like, yeah. um, I don't know. I'm terrible when it comes to like the geography of all of yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. Um. So then back to Tariel and Legolas, who are, like, deciding to set out or whatever. And then uh, an elf shows up on horseback and is like, Legolas, your father calls from you and says, like, orders you to return back. And Legolas is like, all right, Tariel, let's go home, I guess. And then he says, like, just you, Tariel is banished. And I'm like, see what see what you did, girl? Like, you really gave up. You got banished. Because you followed a dwarf you talked to once. Yeah. The thing, though, is, right, I find it a little bit weird that he's like, oh, Tariel's banished? Oh, right, okay, well, I guess I'll go back to my original plan of going to figure out who this uh, this orc guy was. Like, he was just going to be like, cool, yeah. dad's calling, time to go home. Like, what? Yeah, and Tariel, Tariel's like, you need to go. The king, you know, commands it. Yeah. And like, listen... It's like a really cheesy line. He says, you know, he may be the king, but he does not command my heart. And I'm like, <laughs> that was a really just terrible line. Yeah, for me. it was just a bit like I could have done without it. I feel like it would have been more impactful to be like, you can tell the king that there's some serious stuff going on out here and we need to get involved. <laughs> like, I'm not coming home because I've just discovered this thing. Yeah, well, I think I think that's the. Yeah, I think that's the thing is he does not, Thranduil does not want Legolas to be involved with this at all. And, and Legolas is like, you can't tell me what to do, dad. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. So, yeah, they decide that they're going to Gundabad as well. All of a sudden, there's a lot of, like, emphasis being placed on Gundabad. Yeah. Um, and so we see them set off. And then the <clears throat> people of Lake Town are packing up and start traveling towards the Misty Mountains. And that is where we will end this episode. <laughs> I was very naive to think that we would not talk for a long time. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're only talking about 30 minutes of this movie. Like this is usually this is usually how long the recordings go when I'm talking about like 40 to 45 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, we'll probably be closer to an hour and a half. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. I was we very just had, naive. We had a lot of feelings, you know? We just had to, like, so get it out. a lot of feelings. We had a lot of feelings. Well, Janae, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Now I kind of want to go back and watch all the movies. 
I literally just did, but I kind of want to watch them again now. Oh my gosh. Um, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me in two places. I'm on Instagram quite a bit. So I have, um, my own channel on Instagram. It's Janae actually, which is G H E N E T. And then just the word actually, um, where I'm a digital content creator. So I'm always posting stuff on there. And I also have my own podcast called the book was better where I, as a self-professed bookworm and cinephile, basically like try to get to the bottom of whether or not I think the books or the film adaptations lived up to my imagination. And I get friends to come and talk to me about it. And uh, I'm currently working on season two, which I'm really excited about. Um, And you can find me on Instagram at book better podcast. And yeah, that's where I live on the internet. Awesome. Um, So would you uh, what what would be your general um, opinion of if the Hobbit is better if the hobbit movie is better than the book what what is your general thoughts about that oh it's been such a long time since i've read the book i remember really enjoying the book i think i think in this case i would say the book just because Mm -hmm. it, it felt like it was trying to do a bit too much like there's elements that i enjoy martin freeman perfect most perfect casting right always a plus yes carried the whole movie on his back as we've discussed yes um but i would say like the original trilogy i think i prefer the movies so it does happen sometimes you know yeah yeah (laughs) sometimes again i think that's that seems to be the general consensus yeah Yeah, Yeah. i'd be quite interested to go back and reread them now though and like having and i i guess it's also when you read something before you see it or when you see something before you read it i do wonder like some if that has an effect sometimes oh yeah i can definitely tell you that like i like i bet if i were to go back and watch i don't know see it was kind of tricky for me with the lord of the rings movies because like Sure, I had like I had just finished. I read all of the books and then I watched all of the movies as opposed to like reading Fellowship of the Ring and then watching Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. So like by the time I watched Fellowship of the Ring, it had been a year since I finished it. Yeah. You know? But it had only been like three weeks since I finished Return of the King. Yeah. So some aspects of it were like super fresh in my mind. And I was like, that's not what happened. And then other times I was like oh, I forgot that happened. Oh, well, that's okay. You know, Yeah, no, it's interesting, isn't it? I think it's also like, for me, you know, we've talked about Harry Potter a lot. And like, I definitely reread the books more than I watched the movies, just because I also read the books a lot more like before the movies even started coming out. So Mm -hmm. just my association with them is just very different. And I can think of other instances of books that I absolutely loved, and I would read again and again and again. And then they turned into a movie and then I watched the movie and was like, what is this? And other things where I've watched the movie and been like, oh, I really enjoyed that. Oh, there's a book. Let me read the book. And then you read the book and go, yeah, oh, this is great. It is similar to the movie, but I like the things that you get on top of it. So it just really, yeah. I don't know, it really depends. But I think it's it's always an interesting conversation about when you read something versus when you see it first like what the effect on the other one is. Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org where you can find all of our shows like Sincerely Us. Sincerely Us is currently on hiatus, but this gives you the perfect opportunity to catch up or start listening and listen to all of their episodes if you haven't before. This is our musical theater podcast and I love Becca and Eni. Dear listener, today's going to be a good day and here's why. 
Because today we have found your new favorite podcast. Do you like all things musical theater? Or do you just like Hamilton? Then Sincerely Us is perfect for you. We take deep dives into modern musicals and teach you all that you need to know. From props and sets. To playwrights and composers. We will get you caught up on all things Broadway. We are Becca and Eenie, two best friends. Here to teach you all about the shows that we love. Sincerely Us, a podcast for the casual musical theater fan. Join us every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts and on WBNE.org. The cover art is by Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Tolkien About, which was designed by Vaishon, by going to tpublic.com slash user slash TolkienAboutPod or following the link in the episode description. Also, if you have recently ordered merch from me, please make sure to post a picture and tag me in it. Post it on Twitter or on your Instagram story or whatever. I want to see what merch you guys are getting. And you can tag the podcast on social media. See what I did there with this wonderful transition at Tolkien About Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different tiers and perks that are available. For $3 a month, you can join Discord, which is a wonderful place to be. A special shout out to Becca and Taylor, who were encouraging me when I was having trouble with this week's chaotic movie summary, had some writer's block, and popped in Discord to say, I can't believe I ever started these chaotic movie summaries. These are so dumb. And then Becca and Taylor were so nice and encouraging. And like I said, Discord is just a wonderful place to be and all of you people are wonderful also speaking of taylor taylor you were this week's sponsor thank you so much for renewing your support of that's what i'm talking about i very much appreciate it next week we continue the battle of five armies starting at 27 minutes and going to one hour and two minutes it starts with that battle you know what i'm talking about with gandalf and galadriel and sauron that interesting battle that we have thoughts on next week don't you worry uh and it goes to alfred taking bilbo off to find somewhere to sleep for the night. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Books are great. Read books. And that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs>